Welcome to the Viking Update Show. We're speaking to you on Monday afternoon following Mark Wolf's Zoom press conference and the firing of Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. We're waiting to see what's going to happen next, uh, but it is a big day in Vikings history. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. My co-host on this show is John Krasinski from The Athletic. John also does the uh, John Krasinski show about the Timberwolves. This, of course, is one of our NFL shows at TalkDorth.com. Let's get right into it, uh, John. I know being at the game on Sunday, you know, what our team started hearing later in the day, Ben Gessling in particular, was, hey, you know, don't buy too much into these rumors around the league that were started by a few reporters that, hey, Rick Spielman might end up with some cushy, hidden away job that if it's if it's a clean break it's gonna be a clean break that's what we're seeing do you think that's the right call uh, yes, I, I think it's the right call, Jim. We, we talked about it um, a lot going into these last couple of weeks here and trying to really handicap what the Wilfs would do. Now, they are very um, difficult to read and they, they keep things very close to the vest. And that's, you know, that's just the way that they like to roll. And so there is a little bit of guessing that goes involved that is involved with that. And so I will say that, you know, over the last week or so, just in talking to some people, about trying to read the tea leaves and see what was going to happen. There was at least a, a notion out there that because the Wilfs had so much respect for Rick Spielman and valued his work and the relationship that they built with him, that there absolutely was a scenario where the they could reappoint him into maybe like a, a president's role or something like that and then bring in a new GM and a new coach. I mean, I... I was very, very confident that Mike Zimmer was going to get fired, that they were going to bring in someone new there. And I really did believe that they were ultimately going to bring in a new decision maker from a front office standpoint. What I did, though, what I was wary of was the Wolf family's allegiance to Rick Spielman, perhaps having him stay within the organization. And as, as I said on this podcast, a couple of times, I thought that would have been a mistake uh, to do that because I think that you would be inviting conflict. You would be inviting ambiguity in actually who is calling the shots and who has the Will family's ear. And for a, an ownership group that we have already known has established itself as one that is hands-off, that hires people and then really does trust them to do the work and really basically just gives them the money to do it. Uh, I, I do think that it could have been very messy if they were retaining Rick Spielman and yet still trying to get a very high quality general manager. I think the, the very best general managers would have some real concern about their autonomy to do their jobs. And so whether that, uh, scenario was just totally unfounded or whether someone within the organization maybe talked to the Wilfs out of that. I'm not sure what happened there, but I do think that this is the best case scenario. If you wanted a new GM and a new coach to just have a clean sweep here. Um, 
you know, I think Rick Spielman did a really good job in some areas. I think he did uh, had some very big misses in other areas. Same with Mike Zimmer. But it just felt like with the amount of time that both of these men had in this position, that um, that they have that they were given every opportunity to be successful. And they had some some wins, but didn't go far enough. And so it was time to really kind of turn things over and give a whole new set of fresh set of eyes to come in here and do it. I think it was the right move. We'll see what happens with who they hire. Of course, it could always go really poorly that way. But if they were going to go ahead with it this way, I think it had to be in this sort of fashion where it was a very clean break. And so whoever is coming in knows that they are actually the real people that are going to be calling the shots here. Thanks for listening to TalkNorth.com. We have a ton of good outdoor content at the site. We have, I think, the best sports lineup in town. Uh, Russo, LaPanta, Smalley, Lavelle Neal, Cheryl Reeve, Jeff Diamond, John Krasinski. The list goes on and on. Uh, thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. You can find all the shows at TalkNorth.com. Best way to listen, subscribe to your favorite podcast app, or you can follow us on Twitter at TalkNorth.com. Um, excuse me, at TalkNorthPod and see the shows as they're released. Also see our live dates. Uh, the John Krasinski Show, our Timberwolves show, will be live at Tuttle's Eat, Play, Bowl, and Hopkins. January 24th at 7 p.m., pregame starting at 6.15 p.m. with Tin Cup Whiskey. There'll be, there'll be drink specials and uh, lots of games, giveaways, all the fun stuff, live questions. Please come out and join us. We can always take Viking questions at that show as well. Now let's, let's go ahead and spin it forward, because we've been kind of talking about the, the Spielman-Zimmer tenure for a long time. And I just wrote a piece for StarTribune.com saying that, hey, uh, there are a lot of great candidates out there. A lot of them are black coaches who either haven't gotten a shot or who got one shot and really weren't treated that fairly. I, I feel like, you know, I can't, I can't tell the Wilfs you have to hire a black coach or you have to hire a black general manager. But I will say that it is such a vibrant market of quality black coaching prospects and former black head coaches, people who have won games in this league, people who have a lot of respect. Uh, there are two, right now as we speak here on Monday afternoon, there are two black coaches in the NFL. 70% of the players are black. 6% of the head coaches are black, and they might fire one of the two guys left, David Culley. Uh, I just feel like the Wilfs have to take a really good hard look at that, or, and otherwise or just take the, uh, the end racism stencil out of the end zone. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that it's been a very big problem in this league for quite a while, but I think it's really, again, at a zenith right now when you look at it in terms of the need to address the opportunities that minority candidates are getting um, for coaching positions, for front office positions. Uh, to see that Brian Flores uh, it was, was dismissed by Miami after the season that he had as a coach, that's troubling. Now we can look at it and you, you hear a lot of things behind the scenes about relationship issues and, and, and toxicity and things like that. Um, and maybe that's warranted, but it is what is not warranted right now is only two black head coaches in the league, because as we are seeing, there are great candidates out there. 
whether it's Eric Bieniemy, whether it's Byron Leftwich, whether it's um, Flores himself, whether it's you know there's there's just a ton of them out there. Todd Bowles is another one. Um, Raheem Morris uh, ha- is another one who has had experience and maybe has learned and can get you know can can do very well um, with a with a real full time job again. Uh, maybe there's another there's other ones. Uh, Gerard Mayo from from the Patriots is a guy who is not super experienced, has not been in a head coaching position, but is getting a lot of love um, as well. I'm always a little reluctant with the Patriots side of things sometimes, just considering how so many of those have turned out. But um, I, I just think that we are at a point where it is a huge problem if there are only two black head coaches because there are great candidates for it. And you should not hire a coach just because he's black. Like that's not the right way to go about it. You should hire him because he's a really good coach, a smart coach, a great leader, all of those things. And, and so um, I think too often there is a just kind of people, what this really comes down to Jim and what, when you talk to people about the hiring processes in most of the major sports, but especially in the NFL is that people hire who they're quote unquote comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And the vast, vast majority of people making these hiring decisions, whether it's in ownership spots or in uh, front office spots and GM spots are white men. And so they're more comfortable hiring white men. And, and that's why you have, you know, this, this uh, imbalance uh, in, in the level opportunity. I think it's also why you see, less of a leash, let's say, for candidates of color uh, than you do white head coaches. Look at Joe Judge. It seems like he's getting another chance in New York. And maybe that's and he's the right horrible. thing. Maybe, he's the he's worst terrible. coach in the league. He's terrible. Terrible, terrible. But maybe it's the right thing in terms of you want stability. You want to give him a chance. You want to let him grow. You want to let him do that. Okay. But then – to see Flores canned as quickly as he was, to see Steve Wilkes canned in Arizona as quickly as he was, like you know, Jim Vance Joseph in 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 Denver, like yeah, like all of these guys are not getting the same type of of opportunity that many of their white brethren are getting, and that is, I think, a major major problem. I always say that the conversation I would have with Tony Dungy in the '90s was Tony would tell me. Uh, they're not the NFL owners aren't racist. They're just don't they just want to hire people who look like the coaches that they're used to. And I was like, mm-hmm. Tony, that's racist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not yeah. an excuse. That's the problem. Right. And and I would say, like, so here's what I would say on that. Um, do I think like a lot of these owners are like overtly racist in terms of are they using slurs behind the scenes? Are they Donald Sterling? Are they are they doing those things? Maybe not. But what it is, is it's just ingrained in you and the way that you came up and who you surround yourself with and in in just the way that you connect with certain people. And that has absolutely hindered the opportunities for candidates of color. I mean, you know, you can't tell me that Mike Tomlin is the only qualified black head coach who um who can win at this league, you win at a high level for a very long time in this league. There's just no possible way. So either um, the, either the people in power who are making the hiring decisions are just summarily dismissing the really quality candidates, or they are 
having a very difficult time identifying them and then working with them once they are inside the the team walls that it's all just you know it's it's inequality you know the definition of it and so um i and and it's hard to see unfortunately it really is hard to see how that changes anytime really soon the certainly the league has tried with the Rooney rule and other things to shed a light on it. Certainly after going through all that we have gone through as a society in the last two years with George Floyd and everything else, you would think people would be more cognizant of it, but people just kind of resort back to their comfort zones eventually. And that is where we are um, in the, in the NFL right now. And, you know, you're going to see guys like Josh McDaniels. You're going to see guys like Kellen Moore, you're going to see guys like that like jump to the front of the line, and maybe they will be great coaches. Look at Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. Look at Sean McVay in, in, with the Rams. Like There's certainly Zach Taylor in, in Cincinnati. Like There are white coaches that have done a tremendous job and are doing, doing really well, but you need to level the playing field in terms of opportunity um, to start giving people who do not look like the owners and the general managers a heck of a lot better chance to not only get these jobs or interview for them, but to be successful once they've been hired. And I think that's where the big issue lies right now. Agreed. Uh, Speaking of big decisions, have you tried to call your bank lately? Do you bank locally? Star Bank is our bank at the Talk North Podcast Network. They're a family-owned local bank with branches across central and west central Minnesota. With Star Bank, you get all the bells and whistles you would expect from a bank these days, but they have no 800 number, no call center, and no confusing phone queue. You can even request your banker's cell phone number. That's how they operate. Star Bank is a true Minnesota family-run business. Check them out at starbank.net. Star Bank is a member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Also want to thank our producer, Brandon Morton, and our sales executive, Karen Clary. Let's talk about the general manager position because I think it's fairly easy for writers to get a handle on what a coach is like, what a coordinator is like, what a position coach is like. You see them on the sideline working. You see the way people respond to them. You hear anecdotes and stories about them. You see their resume. It's all out in front of you. Not necessarily easy to pick the right person from – uh, all those things, but you have, at least have a feel. General manager candidates are really tough to evaluate, especially early in the process before you've started doing a lot of research. Do you have any idea where they might go for a general manager uh, hire or who might be a good candidate? You know, it's it's really you're right, Jim, in terms of being difficult to to sort of identify. Um, who these guys are because so many of them really do toil in the shadows. And the, the second part of that is that the Wilfs have just not hired anyone in that respect in a long, long time. So you don't really know exactly how they're going to go about this search. Now, we talked to Mark Wilf. He said that they are going to keep the committee to find a new general manager uh, internal, so they're not going to hire a search firm, which I do like. I, I, I think search firms are a scam, so I'm glad that they're going about it that way. But it, you would you would think that first of all, that the the principal people involved in going, you know, and and helping to identify the the people who are out there, and then also to interview them, would I would imagine be. I, I'm sure Mark Wolf and Ziggy Wolf will be heavily involved. I'm sure Andrew Miller, the CEO, will be heavily involved. Rob Brzezinski is another name um, who has been there forever and very well respected that I'm sure I'm sure will be involved. Um, beyond that, I, I'm not sure. But but Mark Wolf did say that they would solicit um, 
recommendations from outside of of the team as well um, to to see who they are. And so when you look around, but basically the the thing to do, I think, is to look around at other teams that are having success and what, you know, who can you pluck maybe from, from those teams that have, um, that have helped that have had a role in assembling really great rosters and identifying talent. So, I mean, you look around, I mean, obviously I think anyone underneath Jason light in Tampa Bay should absolutely be looked at because it's not just Tom Brady there from a roster standpoint, their roster is loaded top to bottom. I don't know, honestly, who the assistant GM is there, but I would be going right there and looking at, at who's there, who knows it, who does a good job in that, who's really relied upon in that organization. So Tampa would be one I would look heavily at. I would look at Green Bay. I know Gutekunst is, is young in that job, but man, have they done a really good job of identifying talent, even though I didn't like the, the Jordan Love pick and I didn't like um, the A.J. Dillon pick either. Um, I, I think that, you know, they have developed depth within their roster in terms of, of team building and then also, oh, by the way, hiring a really good coach to to do things. So I would look there um, and that that might be where I start. Maybe Kansas City as well, although I don't want to get put too much. You know, I, I the one thing that I do have a wariness of is. I always kind of worry about when you go and pluck guys off of rosters like New England, where it's so clear it was Belichick and Brady forever, and those were the keys. Uh, you look at Kansas City with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, like, and you look at what Matt Nagy has done. You look at some of the others. I just get a little bit hesitant about what's going on there. So um, I would identify – you know, Tampa, I would identify Green Bay. I would I would identify Cleveland, even though they didn't do well this year. I think I really like the way that they're building their roster and identifying talent um, as, as places that I would go to look at and Baltimore as a longstanding, really good talent evaluation crew for for possibilities to pluck guys out of there and, and see if they can kind of bring some of the the magic and the in-house uh intelligence to to this front office and by the way my guy rick stroud longtime nfl writer in tampa has uh recommended john spytech uh as a great gm candidate from his there we go from his team staff he said he's kind of the, the guy who has helped make it run for jason light so that's a that's an interesting name to follow also the another intriguing name and i don't know you know if i would uh I don't know yet whether I would say this is would be a good hire or not. Lewis Riddick is also an interesting guy. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, he's a he's a he's a former personnel guy. He's on TV all the time, so he understands media, understands perception. Uh, you know, he certainly is a great, an excellent communicator. Uh, I don't I don't know if he's the right guy, but he would certainly be on my list of people I'd want to talk to. I, I think that's the key, Jim. Is like whether you abs, you know, for sure hire someone like that or not. And look, we we can look around. I mean, how is Mike Mayock doing in, with the Raiders? Eh, you yeah. know, up and down. Um, and 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 you know, several of the other the kind of making the transition from television into um into a front office or uh, spot is, is is spotty. But I I do think that we can all probably agree that Lewis Riddick is an incredibly smart, very just impressive dude overall with a great perspective on the league in general. And 
So the more good candidates that you can amass in your search to give you clear, decisive feedback on your own organization and visions on what they have for it really can help formulate the entire picture and, and, and help you really kind of land on, on who it is. And yeah, again, like there's no guarantee that Riddick would be great in this job because it's just such a different role than being able to be a very charismatic, entertaining, and thoughtful commenter um, on, on television. But it's clear that Riddick puts in the work and he's very well educated on the league. And so having someone like that involved at, at, at the very least, I think would be beneficial to the Wilfs and to the Vikings as they're kind of putting everything together and maybe, but maybe he blows you away and maybe you say, man, this guy is it. And this is exactly what we need. Um, you know, one thing, you know, today, a couple of words that kept coming up with uh, Mark Wilf in terms of what they're looking for in a general manager who will be, we'd be hired before the head coach. He, that was, I think an important point was that Wilf wanted to hire the GM and then have the GM have input on the coach. So that's the, the line, but he said, he's looking for a communicator a kind of a collaborator type. I think that if you talk to people within the Vikings, communication and collaboration down the stretch here was not very strong within the walls of uh, of the Egan practice facility. So I think Riddick would be head and shoulders above in terms of communication, in terms of messaging, in terms of kind of all of that sort of that side of the job, if that is important to you, I think that he would bring that very well. Now, obviously, he's got to have a great scouting eye. He's got to have a great eye for coaches and for all those things. That's the most important. But if you do want someone who is sort of in the modern era of uh, collaborator, communicator, open doors, things like that, Riddick certainly would fit that bill. Even though there's a lot of news today, I feel like so much of it is a little anticlimactic. We kind of been talking about these possibilities for a long. I don't think we need to beat these into the ground. We're going to be talking about updates and candidates and all kinds of stuff as the offseason progresses on both this show and Jeff Diamond's show on this network. So let's let's switch gears. Let's have do our NFL picks about all the playoff games. Uh, if you if there's a game you're particularly interested in or you have an angle you want to get to, you can. Uh, otherwise, we will just pick the games. Once again, come out and see us at Tuttle's Eat, Play, Bowl, January 24th at 7 o'clock, pregame 615 with 10 Cup Whiskey. We'll have giveaways, live questions. It's a lot of fun. There's also a bowling alley there, and it's basically a sports bar connected to a bowling alley. Come out and check it out. Thanks again to Star Bank. And let's get into the games here. Fascinating games. Uh, Las Vegas at Cincinnati. Cincinnati favored by six. Man, how about that game last night? Jim? Oh my god, like, I've never seen anything quite like was, that. It was and incredible. I, and I've covered I mean, a million games. I've never seen anything yeah. quite like that. Well, do we go for the tire? Should we go? I mean, it's just bizarre, almost. But and great drama and great play. The fi- the final drive of regulation for the Chargers oh. that started with one fifty one left, like literally, I think lasted thirty five minutes. It was yeah. unbelievable. Like I was exhausted just watching it. But yeah. Um, yeah, so the Raiders are in great story. I mean, with the Gruden mess, with all the things that they've went through to be able to um, reel off the wins that they did down the stretch and and, and to and, and to get into the playoffs. I mean, they certainly go in with uh, the wind at their back and, and, and playing pretty well. That said, Jim, um, I like Cincinnati in this game. 
Uh, I love Joe Burrow. I, I just like, I love Joe Burrow. Um, and the way that he goes about things, the way that he leads that team, the toughness, all of that stuff, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon. Um, I just think that, you know, as good as Derek Carr has been, and, and I'm, I'm a big Derek Carr fan just as a person and a leader as well, uh, I, I think that Cincinnati has just a little bit more to them uh, this season. And so uh, they have the same record. They're both 10 and 7. Um, so I think they're pretty evenly matched. But I think since he has the edge, I'm surprised the spread is that that big. Um, so I, I could see the Raiders keeping it a little closer than six. But um, but I think Cincinnati's going to win that game. I, I'll take Cincy and give the points. I think Vegas playing overtime on Sunday night while Cincinnati was resting their starters gives Cincinnati a big edge. Also, cold weather game <laughs> for a, a warm weather team traveling. I will go with Cincinnati on that one. Philadelphia at Tampa. Tampa giving seven. I like Tampa. I don't. I mean, Jalen Hurts. He was great for my fantasy team. Um, but I Mine think too. when you get into a game like this, uh, yeah, when you get into a game like this. Uh, this is Tom Brady. This is maybe the best roster top to bottom in the NFL. Um, and, and so I'm going with the Bucks going to win fairly easily here by 10 points or more. Agree. I think the Eagles have to play a very – the Eagles really have to beat you in a certain way. Tampa can beat you in a lot of ways. So it's not unfathomable that if the Eagles get their running game going and Hurts runs like crazy, they can win it. But the odds are just so much in Tampa's favor. All right, this is one of my favorite games, 49ers. At Dallas, Dallas giving three. Yeah, I, yeah, this is a it's a great matchup because I don't really trust either of these teams, uh, Jim. But especially, I don't trust Dallas. I mean, they, it seems like uh, Dak Prescott and and Amari Cooper just aren't quite on the same page yet. Um, they even though like they're twelve and five, I just it, it, they don't look like a team to be reckoned with. In, in in the playoffs quite as much to me. I love Micah Parsons. Obviously, Diggs has had a huge year for them. Um, but I think that you can make big plays on this team. I think Kyle Shanahan is a better coach than Mike McCarthy. So I'm going to take the uh, the Giants, or I mean, not the Giants, the, the 49ers in an upset uh, to win in Dallas. I just think the 49ers are a tougher physical team, and they're going to run it at Dallas. I'm not sure Dallas is going to handle it very well, even though Dallas has had a very good defense second half of the season. I think Debo Samuel is just one of the hardest people to defend in the league. I'm going to take the 49ers there. Arizona at Rams. Rams giving four. Um, I like Arizona. Um, even though Kyler Murray has been a little bit slowed by maybe an ankle injury, uh, I think, you know, the Getting, I hope that I, I think they're going to have Hopkins back um, for the playoff. I'm not. I, I have to check on that again. But um, I, the Rams feel like one of those teams that has been assembled. Um, uh, you know, just we're going to put a bunch of stars together, and this is just going to click. And again, they're 12 and five. They've had a good season, um, but I think Matthew Stafford's a little banged up, and and he's you know he's he's a little shaky. Um, it just doesn't feel like it's clicked the way that they thought it was going to. And I think Arizona is dynamic enough to make the Rams uncomfortable. And I think that the, 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 if it's a close game down the stretch, I'm going to go with Kyler Murray and his ability to beat you in multiple ways. And, and so I'm going to take the Cardinals to beat the Rams on the road. 
I don't trust Matthew Stafford the way he's playing. I think he's probably hiding an injury. If he's not, he's just not very good. I will take Arizona. Scary thing for you. I've agreed with you every time. Now, Steelers <laughs> Steelers at Chiefs. Chiefs giving 13 in a playoff game. 13 is a huge number, um, but I understand why it is that number. I, I don't think you know, Ben has been kind of getting by by the skin of his teeth over these last, uh, you know, really down the stretch here. Um, I love Mike Tomlin. I, I think that they can maybe find a way to slow Kansas City a little bit, but the Chiefs just really seem to found, have found something down the stretch. Um, they're, they're, they're playing much better defensively. Uh, their offense has, you know, Patrick Mahomes is coming around and it's not making the boneheaded turnovers that he was earlier on in the season. It is winning time now. So I think this very uh, experienced team now and, and, and battle-tested team is going to lock things down. 13 is a big number. Um, I'm going to say that Pittsburgh covers but loses. I'm going to say they lose by, you know, I don't know, maybe 11. I'm going to take the Chiefs. I think that the Steelers are a bad team that Mike Tomlin somehow wrangled into the playoffs. I think the Chiefs exposed them uh, on uh, over this weekend. Now, last one, New England at Buffalo. Buffalo giving four and a half. Um, I, I, I very – I have a hard time picking against Belichick in this one, but because it's Mac Jones and I just think that Buffalo is the better team. I think they're the more talented team top to bottom. They have the very the, a, a head and shoulders better quarterback right now uh, for, in Josh Allen over Mac Jones. So I'm going to take Buffalo to win by seven. I think that uh, the Bills have been waiting for this. Uh, they've been waiting for their prove it game, their proving ground game. Uh, they want to really send a statement and let people know that they're going to be here for a while, and um, and that if this kind of Patriots sort of renaissance, which has been a very good season, Belichick may he might be coach of the year or close to it um, for the way that they've been able to do it. I still think that they have just too many weaknesses, and and Buffalo has too many strengths on both sides of the ball. Uh, too many advantages. And so I think I'm going to take Buffalo to win by a touchdown. Agree. I think Mac Jones has hit the wall. And uh, the fact they, the game they beat the Bills, they were able to run the ball in every single play. I don't, they're not going to be able to pull, it's just not going to work again. Uh, so I will take the bull, the Bills as well. Good stuff from John. Thanks again to Brandon Morton. Also check out the John Krasinski show at talknorth.com. And we'll be back to tell you more about the Vikings searches next week.